0: rhh10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com amazing jane ship around the world so please check their website for details doping and running is our topic today so you may be thinking well actually i'm not an elite athlete so do i really need to know this and you might also be asking is why are karen and aileen talking to me about this today Well, the reason uh, is that we touched on this subject during our episode on painkillers, when we highlighted the role of the World Anti-Doping Agency, and we thought there actually is some interesting information about banned substances, including medications which affect athletes. So you might not need to know this about about this topic for yourself, but perhaps you've got a friend or a family member. Uh, perhaps a club member that you run alongside who's an aspiring athlete and this may affect them in the future and if nothing else you'll be more knowledgeable unfortunately when there'll be another doping controversy in the news or perhaps even just so that you can answer some questions at your next pub quiz so we hope you find this interesting and uh, informative and we look forward to hearing your feedback on this topic. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionist friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Hi everyone, welcome back, I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen as always. Hi everybody, great to be here once again. Good. So let's get started. As usual, we're going to share something personal with you about our nutritional running before we move on to discuss our topic for today, uh, which is a bit of a controversial one. Are uh, we going to be focusing on doping and running and how does this affect you? So before we get started, Karen, my question to you today is if you had to choose one go-to food to fuel your running, which food would it be and why?
1: Well, Aileen, it would definitely be oats. I don't have to ponder that one um, for very long at all. And, and it would be oats really for many reasons. Um, first of all, they're really versatile. So have them I have them as overnight oats before a run, flapjacks as a snack. I might have um oat cakes to accompany my lunch. I have them sprinkled on yogurt for a dessert or a snack. And there really is just so many things that you can do with oats. And I just love the taste, love the flavor. But I also like them because they are a source of slow release carbohydrates. So they really sustain my energy for for quite a long time. And I need that with the the amount of running I do. Um, And my running makes me really hungry and I just find that oats helps keep me full for quite a while. Um and especially if I have them in some form after my run, it just kind of keeps me going. But I, I use them a lot to fuel my running as well because they are so versatile. But also because they're really easy on my tummy. And I've I've played about with a few things over the years, especially with my long runs and um, to find what works for me. And and I do find that the, the oats are really good for me, good on my tummy. They don't cause me any digestive issues. And that's really, really important, especially on the really long run. So those really are my reasons for, for choosing oats. How about you, Aileen? What would be your food of choice to fuel your running?
0: Uh, well like you I do like um oats. I like overnight oats particularly uh prior to a long run. Uh but during a run I choose a Medjool date. So gels just don't agree with me. Um I think they're messy, they make me feel sick. Um so I prefer a natural food and um, so what I tend to do is wrap individual dates either in a little paper case, a cake case, uh, or a piece of greaseproof paper or parchment. And um, I sort of roll them up and put them in my belt and, and take them with me. Um, so I, I particularly like medjool dates because they're very high in carbohydrates. So you approximately get 18 grams of carbohydrate per date. And the medjool dates are the date of choice, if you like, because they're really soft and they digest relatively quickly. Some of the other dates have got a sort of a hard, chewy, chewy, skin and they're so not quite so easy to digest quickly um so th- they work for me and I'm really glad that I know about them because they keep me fueled during a long run and and I might half a day or a full day, depending on what I'm doing. Um, I buy them locally. I get them at my green grocer. He sells lovely boxes of Medjool dates. And uh, we got into a chat about it recently. And he was telling me that he sells two cases a week, which seemed to really bemuse him. And he said mostly to cyclists and they seem to be mostly middle-aged men which again seem too amusing uh, so anyway I shared my knowledge about the eight grams of carbohydrate per day so I'm sure you'll be telling everybody about that
1: absolutely well, I was good to to hear as well that cyclists are um, purchasing the date so they're purchasing
0: the the natural foods to, yeah. to do the cycling so that's really good news yeah it's great to mm-hmm know. So um, moving on to discuss today's topic which we said is all about doping and running and we asked the question does it affect you? Now some of you might be thinking well why are they talking about this today? And uh, we really came up with the topic idea during the episode on painkillers for running and that was where we explored um, the background to the fact that a lot of runners are using painkillers to sort of prevent them having pain really while they're either before during or after the running and we explored the reasons why that's maybe not the best thing to do and um, we got into a bit of a chat about um, the world anti-doping agency and we thought we could do have a conversation about this in a bit more depth. So that's how this topic came onto the list to to discuss with you all today. Uh, And you might also be saying, well, hang on a minute, I'm not uh, an elite athlete, so perhaps uh, I don't really need to know about this. But what we'd be saying to you is, you know, even if you're a recreational runner and you don't need to know about this yourself, perhaps you've got a friend or a family member or you're a member of a club and you know people who – are aspiring athletes and they may be moving into the semi-professional or the professional arena and this might affect them either now or in the future and maybe passing on this information to them would be really helpful to them and, and if you don't think you know anybody at the very least you're going to be more knowledgeable on the topic so next time there's a controversial Um, new story about doping you're going to know what it's about and it might even help you win the next pub quiz so I think it's worth (laughs) sticking with us for this one it's really interesting Um, so let's get a bit more into the detail Um, so we, we said that, that we're going to focus on WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, and they have information that's updated annually. And uh, perhaps some people might not have even heard about WADA, or maybe you've seen it in a newspaper or um, heard about it on the TV. Um, there, there have been some quite high-profile cases in recent years, um, and you know, maybe you don't know that there is actually this world organization that's really working hard to stamp um, doping out. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the role of WADA and um, consider their affiliated organizations and we're asking the question Could this mean as runners, are we at risk of random testing when entering races? So that's an interesting question. We're going to look into the various substances and supplements that may be on the band list. And I think this is why we thought this was an interesting topic because we were quite surprised when we looked at the list about how many everyday things that people might be consuming, um, either from a medication point of view or a supplement point of view, we need to be aware of. And then finally, we're going to look at how you avoid the risk of consuming a banned substance. So lots of really um, interesting information to share today. So, Karen, um, you know, why do we need to worry about this? Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation we have, especially as the Olympics are, you know, due to happen uh, this year. Fingers crossed. Um in fact, I don't quite sure what date this episode goes out. So the Olympics might actually even be on when yeah. we're when we're publishing. Um so um if that's the case, that's very timely. Um so what what's your thoughts, your initial thoughts, Karen?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. You know, there, but because as this goes out, I think the Tokyo Olympics will be um, going on unless they're cancelled at the last minute. So there will be random testing occurring, and it is a really detailed process. And I was actually reading about how testing will be performed at the Tokyo Olympics this year, and learned that the there's a there's a body called the International Testing Agency. Now, this is a new body that was established by the international olympic committee the ioc in 2018 and they're going to be responsible for carrying out the anti doping program for the first time actually at um, at the tokyo olympics but basically there are two types of testing there's the in competition testing and there's the out of competition testing and the in-competition com- in testing refers to that period commencing at 11.59pm on the day before a competition in which um, an athlete is scheduled to participate. And then it goes through to the end of the competition and then finishing after the after the end of the competition and sample collection process related to that particular um, competition that they are in. So they could be on in several competitions, but in competition is just for that period of time that they're in, 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 in it and then they'll come out of it and then they'll go back in it again if they say reach the semi finals, the finals, whatever. And then out of competition testing takes place at any anytime outside of the in-competition period. So, again, really what this is saying is that they can be tested at any point in time. And the procedure includes a urine and or a a blood sample that's collected from an athlete. Now, if it's a urine sample, then the athlete collects the sample himself or herself. Um, However, they have to ensure that the sample hasn't been provided um, from somebody else so that it is actually coming from the athlete's body and that there's no dishonest practices being committed. So a specialist known as a doping control officer of the same gender as the athlete is always present during the sample collection, which can't be very comfortable for the poor athlete, but it is a way of making sure that there's no no, um, bad practices occurring. And then when it's a blood sample that's required These are taken by a specialist known as a blood collection officer. Um, Now, he or she is um, specifically trained um, and they're professional and hold uh, a medical licence. And then, um, so they'll do the blood samples and then there's a chaperone. Now, the chaperone is the person who will notify an athlete that they've been selected for doping control and they will monitor All the activities undertaken by the athlete until the sample collection process is completed. Now I think it's volunteers that perform this particular role so the chaperone role Um, and I know that certainly at the Tokyo Games it's it's going to be um, volunteers that will perform that role so it's quite detailed I think.
0: Yeah it's very detailed procedure but I think that's good because it means that anti-doping is being taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can imagine it must be really stressful for the athletes but I guess it's something you learn to live with you know it's something that's going to be ongoing all the time um so you know if you're if you're an athlete you're you're already under significant stress because you're representing your country for your particular um, individual sports discipline um but as I say you know it's part and parcel of your role and your job as a an elite athlete so I guess you get a lot of coaching and preparation to be able to deal with it and so it doesn't knock you off your game really um yeah so so Karen we, we've started by outlining what's currently happened happening um but can we go back in history a little bit and reflect and consider why uh WADA was set up am I saying it right WADA is that the right way to say yes yeah, so it's a world anti-doping agency but people speak about WADA yeah so why was it initially set up what can you tell us about that
1: yeah, so so this um, WADA, uh, so the World Anti Doping Agency, was established back in 1999, and it was it was established as an international and independent agency, um, co- composed up and funded by equally by um, the sporting movement, but also governments of the world, so different governments within the world. And its key activities include uh, scientific research, lots of education, the development of anti-doping capacities uh, and also monitoring of the World Anti-Doping Code. Now, this code is a document that really harmonises anti-doping policies in all sports and in all countries. So that is the the crux of what WADA does and what every athlete is going to be abiding by. Now, it was set up... um, following the doping events and scandals that that occurred during the Tour de France that really shook the world of cycling, actually, in the summer of 1998. And I don't know if you remember that, that, that Tour de France event, Aileen, and the impact of all the doping that went on at that point in time. But then from that event the IOC, so the International Olympic Committee, decided to hold a a world conference on doping, really bringing together all parties involved in the fight against doping. Now, this initial um, um, conference was held in Lausanne in Switzerland in February 1999, and, um, and actually, the European arm of WADA is still situated in Lausanne. However, the headquarters are now based in Montreal in Canada. So it's just a bit of a, an extra piece of information there. <laughs> uh, something maybe for that pub quiz. Um, but anyway, from the initial conference... And this independent international anti-doping agency um, was formed and it was to be operational uh, from the Games in Sydney in 2000. So that was the first Games, Olympic Games, where um, WADA was uh, on the policy and the code was introduced.
0: Yeah, and and since... um You know, the formation of WADA, um, one of the things that um, they did was they set out a very clear mission, uh, which um, I think is very um, inspirational and very uh, simple and powerful. But the mission is to lead a collaborative worldwide movement for doping free sport. And and I love that the strap line they have on the logo is Play True. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a really powerful um, message that they're putting out to the, the world of sport. Yeah,
1: absolutely, Aileen. I totally agree with that. And and actually speaking about the logo, I think it sends a really strong message as well. So so for those of you who don't know the, the logo, or maybe know the logo, but not what it represents, it's actually a square shape. And that square shape um, represents the customs and the ref- rules that define sport. And then the colour black sort of is evoking neutrality, but it's also the traditional color of, of the referee. So that's why they've chosen black. And then in the center, there's, there's like an equal sign. And this uh, expresses equality and fairness. And the sign is sort of depicted with a bit of a human touch. So it's not just straight lines, there's a, a bit of a human touch there. And that really is to reflect the individuality of every athlete. And then finally, the the equal sign is is done in a green colour, and this is to evoke health and nature and the fields of play. So, like I say, and like you were saying, Alien, very powerful message, I think. And then that play true tagline that you mentioned encapsulates WADA's core values and is really intended as a guiding principle for all athletes at every level of competition. Oh, that's
0: really an interesting background, Karen. Mm. It's good to know about the the establishment of WADA and what their um, values are and how they're trying to share that with the world. So that's really great. Um, so now can you tell us about which athletes, um, particularly runners, would be bound by the anti-doping code set up by WADA?
1: Yes, well, actually to date, um, it's known that there's about 700 sports organisations who have actually accepted the World Anti-Doping Code. Now, I'm not going to name all (laughs) 700 of them, but these organisations include some really big ones, including the IOC, so that International Olympic Committee, the International Paralympic Committee, but also uh, different international federations, including all of the um, IOC recognised international federations there's the National Olympic and Paralympic committees but also lots of of national and regional anti-doping organisations so um, what with these different bodies, all these signatories as they're known, they're then bound by the anti-doping code and are required to undertake three steps in order to be fully compliant with the code. And these three um, steps are acceptance, implementation and enforcement of the code. So really, in answer to your original question, Aileen, All elite and professional athletes and runners would be bound by WADA's anti doping code.
0: Okay, so you you mentioned there that the national and regional organisations are bound by this anti doping code. So could you give us some examples of these organisations?
1: Yes, absolutely, Aileen. Um, Clearly, it's going to be different in different countries. But if we were to think about the UK, um, the National Anti-Doping Agent is UKAD, which basically stands for United Kingdom Anti-Doping. And this body is responsible for overseeing the management and implementation of the UK National Anti-Doping Policy, which clearly is linked to WADA's um, policies and really ensure that all sports bodies in the UK comply with the World Anti-Doping Code. Now, in the US, this body is known as USA, USADA. So, I think that's the United States Anti-Doping Association, I think it is, rather than agency. And then every country would have its own equivalent body. And, And sort of looking at the UK, AD, it oversees organisations such as Sport England and England Athletics and again ensures they follow the WADA code. And then other UK countries um, have their own athletics organisations that would also be overseen by the UK AD. So, for example, we've got um, um, Sport England, but there's also Sports Scotland and Wales and Ireland um, would, would have their own as well.
0: Yeah, so there's sort of a, an umbrella effect. So that's what I'm I'm seeing here. Um, so what this means is that all athletes and runners registered with and competing through England athletics would also be bound by the WADA anti-doping code and therefore they could randomly be drug tested. Is, is that a that the
1: case, Karen? Yeah, exactly, Aileen. Well that's certainly what I'm led to believe. And certainly from all the reading I've been doing, that's that's what um what I I I believe. And but but what I would say here is what the chances are of actually being tested if competing at say regional or county level, I'm not sure. You know it's it's a, a really expensive test. So the 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 chances of actually being tested are probably quite low. However, you, you just don't know. So I do think it's definitely a deterrent. And, and if I was to think of an example, you know, my son um, rows for Oxford University in the lightweight squad, which means he is bound by the rules of British rowing. Now, the lightweights um, are not seen, uh, or they're not actually in the elite sector. However, he has to abide by the rules. You know, we've spoken about even protein powders, and if it's if it's not sort of on the list of things that are okay and known to be okay, he just can't go near them. Just in case, um, because there is still that possibility that they could be randomly tested when in competition, and and also, you know, this is maybe this has made me really think about my own running because now that I'm running. Um, at club level and I'm enjoying running from the club with the club I'm really hoping that maybe one day I may be able to compete in some regional or county events If, if I'm good enough clearly I've got to prove myself first and I'm not sure but if I'm good enough hopefully I might be able to so I will need to to really sort of be mindful of the rules set out by WADA and be not that I take many things but I do take supplements so I do need to think about these things
0: Yeah, and I think it's all about, um, particularly for younger athletes, it's about setting the right foundations, isn't it? Because, you know, they're probably hoping to develop their athletic career. And, uh, you know, either as a, you know, an elite athlete, or um, just moving up through the club level ranks and being recognized. And that's a starting you know, at, at the lower levels, and knowing that you've got the best practices in place is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, you know, what you've shared with us, Karen, is really important information because, um, you know, many of many of our listeners are competing at club level and they may be completely unaware that they could potentially be randomly tested. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you are a club runner and you're listening to this, have the discussion with your your club mm-hmm. members and um, be interesting to uh, just get them up to speed with what's going on. Absolutely. Because, you know, as a club member, you you
1: tend to be registered with um, England Athletics. So you're then registered with that um England Athletics therefore they're going to be linked to UKAD and and be complying to the to the WADA code so but, but but people at the club level may not be actually aware of that um, and and I think this is really why I th- it's an important subject for us to be discussing today um and I think that the other important factor um which I know we will go on to discuss shortly is that runners could be innocently taking some of the banned medications and/ or supplements on a regular basis so you know it is it's very very interesting
0: yeah well let's just sum up what how far we've got um, mm-hmm. it, it's so far in the conversation before we move on Karen so um WADA was established in 1999 really with an effort to reduce and ideally remove all doping in sport and and help maintain a fair competition for all. there's over 700 international and national sporting organizations which are now members of WADA and abide by their anti-doping code uh, and this means that many athletes even at club level should be following these guidelines and avoiding the substances and supplements on the band list. So so let's now look at what's on the band list Karen. So um, I know it's a huge extensive list and I think again when I was looking at it when we were talking about painkillers I was a bit overwhelmed and I think that's what led us to think we should chat about this mm. um, so let's highlight some of the key ones um, if you are interested you could look at the WADA website which is I'll put the link in the show notes for you but it's uh, wada-ama.org um, but we'll put the note the url in the show notes so Karen what can you give us an outline of what substances are currently on the banned list?
1: Yeah, sure, Aileen. And actually the the substances that are that are banned are divided into three different car- categories. So there's the ones that are prohibited at all times there's the ones that are prohibited in competition and then the ones that are prohibited in particular sports so to give you some examples of ones that are banned at all times these include um diuretics now as again thinking about the older athlete um that, that, that there is more likely that that they will be on um, diuretics for whatever reason, and examples there are frusamide and spironolactone are two well-known diuretics um, that are uh, medications that are utilised. Also, hormone uh, medications, so for example, oestrogen-linked hormones such as tamoxifen. Um, are are banned, and also uh, metabolic modulators such as insulin. And when you think about um, how many people are... um are diabetic type, type one diabetics, then this could uh, be implicated for them. Also, anabolic agents, mostly androgenic steroids that are testosterone based. So, for example, here, epitestosterone, but there are so many, you know, I've just picked an example because there were so many of these different anabolic agents in the list, but also growth factors as well. So there's growth hormone, releasing hormone, there's insulin-like growth factor, but also um, hepatocyte growth factor as well. And again, the list was extensive. So I've just plucked out a a few to to, to give us examples.
0: Yeah. And some of the examples of the in-competition banned substances include Um, Again, they're sort of categorized. So you've got stimulants, narcotics, uh, cannabinoids, and glucocorticoids. So on the stimulant list, you know, there are things that you would, um, you know, immediately think, well, of course, you should be taking cocaine. Um, And currently, stimulants such as caffeine and nicotine are not on the banned list but they are in the 2021 monitoring program. So they could be banned in the future. And I think, again, that that caffeine link was one of the things that we picked Mm -hmm. up on when we have looked at, um, you know, some previous episodes. The narcotics, some examples would be morphine and methadone, um, um, the cannabinoids, um, so cannabis. But there are lots of, um, you know, health, well, thick, I suppose CBD is becoming a sort of, um, well, how would I describe it? It's sort of a a healthy lifestyle sort of supplement that's, you know, really promoted in lots of different areas. So it's very popular at the moment. It's not on the banned list at the moment. Um But it could be in the future. And there are some CBD products which are extracted from cannabis plants and they may contain something called THC, which is the psychoactive component of cannabis. And that could also result in a positive test for a prohibited cannabinoid um so that i think that's an area that people might stray into without realizing um and then there's certain steroids like hydrocortisone um which people might be having as a an injury treatment uh, so those are the things that um, stuck out for me as the in the in competition band supplements instances. Uh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And it is interesting, Aileen, how, like you say, there are some in both sections there. There are ones that people could quite easily be taking on a regular basis and not be aware that they would actually be banned in competition, um, even in training as well for some of them. Um, but then that third category, which was prohibited in particular sports, thankfully, there there aren't any Uh, specific to running and athletics. So that was really good to read. You know, this category seemed to include sports such as shooting and golf and underwater sports and others like that. So nothing linked to athletics um, whatsoever. So, So like I say, this list isn't exhaustive, but I think it does give us a good idea of the different categories and substances that you would need to really be aware of if trying to stay within the WADA guidelines. And then thinking about um, this from a nutritional uh, supplement point of view, really, it would be important to ensure that there are no derivatives of any of these categories of banned substances or indeed any contamination of any of the supplement products of these banned um, substances um, in sort of supplements that people are taking on a regular basis. And interestingly, it is thought that approximately one in 10 supplement products could be contaminated with a banned substance. So, So really the best way to ensure that what you're taking is safe, I would say is to choose nutritional supplements with the informed sport logo on it. Now, I'm not going to go into details here, Aileen, because I know that we will sort of discuss uh, informed sport in more detail later. But it is the gold standard, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good guidance there, Karen. So just before we move on, um, are there any female factors that we should be considering regarding this subject? And my immediate thought is no, because all athletes need to abide by these rules. So both men and women should be equal. But have you got any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with you, Aileen. It is it is a, a level playing field, really, when it comes to doping and testing. But um, one female factor that I did actually pick up on when reading through the literature for this episode was that it is thought that women tend to more frequently self-administer medicines and or nutritional supplements more than men. Therefore, they might inadvertently fall into um, doping. And this is thought to to be as a result of women being more prone to injury than men, which is something that we've mentioned in, in previous episodes and also it is thought that women are more likely to recognize and voice the symptoms of any health issues at all therefore would potentially um be more would be using medications and supplements more
0: Mm. it's (laughs) positive that we help ourselves but we just have to be careful about how we help ourselves if we're in that uh, group of athletes that that might fall into the um category yeah exactly okay so um Karen, do you just sort of round
1: up here at the moment? Yes, so really we've what we've done is we've managed to establish that there are three categories to the banned substances which are prohibited at all times, prohibited in competition and prohibited in particular sports. But thankfully running isn't included in that category. Um, and what I would just add here is that as well as there being banned substances, there are also banned methods of trying to enhance performance such as blood dose, Doping. Um, some people may have heard of um, blood doping, and and this is a, a practice really of misusing certain techniques and substances to increase the number of circulating red blood cells, therefore the amount of hemoglobin in the body. And as we know, you know hemoglo- hem- hemoglobin um, within the red blood cells carry oxygen to the muscles. So this. This lets the body transport more oxygen to working muscles and can increase aerobic capacity and endurance, um, as well as, as improve recovery. So all in all, it could enhance performance, hence why it is banned. And blood doping involves using different pharmaceuticals such as um erythropoietin um or EPO some people might have heard it being called by to stimulate the production of more red blood cells or it could be the infusion of additional red blood cell volume um so this erythropoietin is a substance that promotes erythropoiesis <laughs> oh my gosh there's so much technical words here um and this erythropoiesis is um, a process which increases the the red blood cell um, production, and it is a method that was used actually for quite some time because it it seemed to get past the ban you you know, the banned substances that used to people are using it as a way of getting past Wada, but Wada is much more alert to this now. Therefore, um there's there's they're they're
0: on it a lot more. Well, that's because um, people go to some lengths, don't they? No, <laughs> improve Absolutely. the performance. Absolutely, and it would be great if we could have
1: fair sport for all, like you were saying, Aileen. Mm-hmm. If it could go back to just the natural human power and endurance, and that is the way that the winner is 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 found, rather than all these different um, ways of of um, trying to become quicker, faster, more
0: powerful. But anyway.
1: Anyway, Aileen shall we just um have a quick advert break, break now before we move on to the next bit
0: yeah sure so this is the part of the episode where Karen and I take a minute to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast and what was springing to my mind there Karen is that we have our own superpower and that is nutrition mm. so um I think that's you know it's natural uh, nobody can uh don't test you for food. Uh, if you eat the right food and the right quantity at the right time and you've got a healthy working body, that's going to give you the edge. So that's my, yeah. <laughs> that's my big uh, thought there. Um, yeah. But sort of moving on just to... Um, refresh everybody's mind about one of the things that we do outside of the podcast is that we we run a program called easy nutrition for healthy runners and uh, this came about because karen and i are always looking for ways to improve our own running our energy levels and be injury free and we, we do that by having a good foundational everyday eating plan and we fine tune it with sports nutritional principles and that helps us keep healthy and uh, injury free Um, and what we did was we turned all of our expertise and information into uh, an online video program uh, which also has extra support so it's not just a standalone video program you get access to us to uh, help you along the way Uh, but basically um, you get um a video every day, um, for 14 days, and if you spent 30 minutes a day, listening to the video and putting into action a simple action step, you can complete the program in as little as two weeks, um, or you can take as long as you need to. Some people prefer to spread it out over a longer period, um, and you've got access to the, the materials for the long term. So, if you've been listening today and you think you'd like to know more about how to apply both everyday nutrition alongside sports specific nutrition, this program is a really great place to start and it gives you all the information that you need and easy action steps too so if you're interested you'll find the details on our website which is runnershealthhub.com look at the top menu bar at the online program and if you've got any questions email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com
1: Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. So now let's move on and take a look at how an amateur runner could really be inadvertently using a banned substance and the implications of that. Now, uh, again it is important to stress here that it is very unlikely that a runner would be testing uh, be tested if not competing at elite or professional level however if you are competing through England athletics or the equivalent sports organization like i was saying earlier then you are potentially agreeing to the doping free racing therefore you could be open to be randomly tested but what the chances are um i'm not sure now we we have mentioned the various substances that are banned and that it would be important to ensure that any nutritional supplements used don't contain any of the derivatives of these or indeed mimic the the effects of the ones that are banned and um Before the advert break, I did mention Informed Sport. Now, Informed Sport is a a global testing and certification programme for sports and nutritional supplements. Um, and, And using supplements that have gone through the Informed Sport batch testing procedures is the only way really of guaranteeing the products that you're taking are safe to be taken for training and in competition.
0: So so that's um, that sounds really interesting, Karen. Could you tell us a little bit more about the this rigorous testing program that Inform Sport has in place? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So
1: so supplement products are tested by LGC. Now LGC the LGC group um is the the um what do I want to say? The principal body in under which or the principal um, business under which informed sport is a part of. And um, so the supplement products are tested by LGC's world class anti-doping laboratory and um, testing for contamination against a broad range of, bra- of banned substances actually in sport and using methods that are actually accredited. So what they do is they implement a step-by-step process really to ensure that the highest level of batch testing is reached. And only then, once this sort of high level of testing has been completed, does the product get accepted for certification to say that it is banned substance free. But even once the certification has been awarded, Informed Sport will continue to blind, blind test samples, just really to safeguard against any banned substances. So it really is the best guarantee that you can get, I think.
0: Yeah, that's that's really good to know. And it's good mm-hmm. to know that the LGC are so independent and they're really looking after the interests of the, the athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, Karen, are there any well-known supplements or supplement companies that have got this Informed Sport? certification and then our listeners could consider using these if if they felt anti-doping was something they needed to be considering.
1: Yes, absolutely. Aileen, um I'll name I'll name the ones that I think most people will have heard of. But there are again, there are there are lots of different countries and I suppose depending on which country you live will depend on the names of the projects and each country is going to have its its own um supplements that are informed sport accredited or certified. Um, um, but also what we can do is um, put the URL for the Informed Sport website in the show notes as well so people can go to that and get the full list. Um, but some that I think or hope that maybe most people may have heard of include Get Buzzing, Velaforte, Elite Hydration, Minime Nutrition and Beat It. Now, what I would just add here is that not not all of these brands' products are Informed Sport certified. It's just some of them. So, for example, with Get Buzzing, it's their high protein bars only that are Informed Sport um, certified. The other ones that you can buy in the supermarkets um aren't and with Vellaforte, it's only their hydration and energy gels that are certified minimi um nutrition their fish oils with added vitamins and minerals is the only product that is certified um and um yeah so but there are others alien actually have you got any other brands that you would add here that you think people would have heard of
0: yeah, certainly some brands, the UK brands that people probably use and, and the brands that we use. Um, so Better You, um, so, but only their magnesium products. So, um, a lot of people will, will use magnesium. Uh, there's New Zest, which is a, a green vitality powder. So that's their product. Uh, AGN Roots, which is grass fed whey. Uh, BioCare, um, they they have lots of different supplements, but the products, um, particular that we're highlighting here, are uh, EPA, which is fish oil. There's a multivitamin, vitamin uh, Bio which is a probiotic and vitamin C. So, um, so I think it, the you know they're all good quality companies mm-hmm. that we you know we would believe in and um, using. So, um, it's it's a good. Um, a good direction to go in if you're interested in using um, these particular supplements. So, so, Karen, I know that um, I'm sort of a bit conscious of time, but I did want to ask a quick question. Uh, we've talked about supplements and anti-doping, uh, but is there anything you would you would add here about medication? So, I'm particularly thinking about the over-counter medications that many athletes tend to use. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great question, Aileen. And um, interestingly, I was reading a research paper the other day looking at self-prescribed medications and female runners. Actually, they were they were focusing on, and the top two utilised by female runners, uh, certainly in that in that study, were um, NSAIDs. So the the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs um, in the the form of ibuprofen, which is very very popular with with runners generally. I think, but also paracetamol. Now, neither of these medications are on the WADA band list, so there's no need to worry about about WADA and the code. However, I must just stress here that these products, if used chronically, could affect general health and running performances just because of the side effects. Now, like you were saying earlier, Aileen, we we have the episode um episode 53 uh, where we discuss painkillers for running and we speak a lot about these medications and how if anybody's taking them on a regular basis the side effects of that so um, I, I would really recommend for anybody who is taking the over-the-counter medications on a regular basis that you just maybe go back and and listen to this episode again if you haven't listened if you have listened to it or just um, sort of yeah ha- have a listen and um, and uh, there is some really great information there on avoiding these side effects of the meds.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful, Karen. And I also think if you are on prescribed medication, uh, either something that you've been on for, you know, considerable time, or if you have recently been um, diagnosed with a health condition and you're talking to your uh, medic about, potentially using medication I think it's important to have a a medication review and cross check them against these lists and see if there's an alternative if you think that you might be uh, contravening the regulations so um, like with everything check in and review regularly so, so that's really been interesting, Karen. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, finding out more about WADA and all the good things that they're doing in the world. Um, but I think we're going to have to draw to a close now. Uh, but as always, before we go, could you give us your key takeaways for today's episode?
1: Yeah, sure, Irene. So WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, um, it was set up in 1999 following the doping events of that Tour de France in the summer of 1998. So you might want to go back to Wikipedia and learn more about that if you if you don't. But it did it did rock the world of cycling, actually. Um, and, and their mission really, so WADA's mission is to lead a collaborative worldwide movement for doping-free sport, which I think is a is a is a lovely mission to have. All athletes at elite and professional level must abide by the anti-doping code established by WADA, but this is not necessarily the case for amateur runners. Uh, runners at club level may, in theory, anyway, be randomly tested. However, weekend warriors and social runners really don't need to be to worry about this. Um, There are many substances contained within the banned list and they're divided into three categories. So there's the prohibited at all times, the prohibited in competition and the prohibited in particular sports. And remember that nutritional supplements could be contaminated with a banned substance. So if you do need to avoid these substances, choose products with the Informed Sports Certification label on it. Um, And some well-known brands with the Informed Sports Certification, uh, certainly for some of their products anyway, include Beat It, Better You, Biocare, Veloforte, and Minamine Nutrition. And then finally, just remember that the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and paracetamol, amongst others actually, it's not not uh, just those two, are not on the banned list. However, they do have side effects from chronic use that could affect general health and running performance. So try to keep these, their use to a minimum. And that's where I would end, Aileen.
0: Thank you. That's been great, Karen. I've learned a lot from today's conversation and hopefully many of our listeners will have too. Um, We're really hoping that the Tokyo Olympics are on at the moment and they're going ahead. So good luck to all the athletes and uh, let's hope we can all enjoy enjoy their performances. Mm. Uh, And remember, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now.